Welcome everyone. We're back for another week with your host Mordechai Weinberger on the jvertradio.com of Let's Grow Together. It is fantastic and an honor to have everyone call in, text, message. And we're here to take your questions in the mental health field with Siata Deshmaya. We will be able to help you. The number to call in is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And you've got us over here on Lakewood Scoop and on yeshivaworld.com, plus, of course, on jrootradio.com. The number to text in, we always take phone calls over the text, and that number is, the text is 347-927-8398. That's 347-927-8398. There was an interesting information that was brought to my attention this past week, and I thought it was interesting. And that is the name Sam Walton. Sam Walton is the founder and the owner of Walmart. He's the guy that started Walmart. When he died, he died being worth 65, an estimate, $65 billion. That's a pretty nice number, right? But do you know what's the last three words that Sam Walton said basically before he died? And those were three words, I blew it. Imagine a guy with $65 billion, we're thinking he's got money, he can do anything he wants, all the potential is there, 65 billion. Imagine what you can do with 1 billion. Forget about 65. What about 100 million? Forget about even a billion. What about 10 million? And yet, when he died, he said he blew it. How could he blow it? And what he clarified was very simple. He spent every second that he had at work and how the business should grow and almost nothing with his family. They say that with his youngest child, he barely had any time for and to his grandchildren even less. Isn't that amazing that a man worth $65 billion on his deathbed, he says the last three words that he said is, I blew it, about family. So the concept I'd like to share with us is just this thought, balance. You don't need $65 billion. Baruch Hashem, the bunch of them has given us kids, has given us a family. Let's take advantage of it. If you're not married or you don't have children, but you have parents, you've got brothers and sisters, and if you don't have that, for whatever reason, we have we belong to Kalyusrol. We belong to a community. We can make it with what we've got. Let's recognize the balance. Yes, Parnas is important, but speaking from a person that's worth $65 billion to die on his deathbed, to be poor, as they say, some people are so poor that all they have is money. That's a sad, sad thing for us all. Okay. <clears throat> um... Let's go over here. Let's go take some questions. Um, yes, hi. Who's this? Atara, you're on the air with Mordechai. Yes, hi. Um, I've had a problem for like a number of years. Say that um, one more time. You have what for a number of years? I had a problem, like a problem that I laugh in like a lot of situations, let's say like in serious situations. Yes. I was just first laughing. I want to know how to control that. All right. Well, first let's understand it. There are two, three ways of understanding it. When someone laughs, number one, there is a concept called reaction formation. That means that we have the opposite emotion when we have certain feelings. So that means that if you feel like crying, you might be laughing. It might be, it might be that it wasn't safe for you to cry. It might be that you don't enjoy the feeling of crying, so the brain just laughs. It might just be that that's just the way you are. One of the steps that we can do is to help people is or family members or if you just tell them i just have a little issue i laugh so they won't take it personal when they're laughing say i really mean to cry 
first, before we go to change it, first, let's get you socially accepted. Like, not going, what's wrong with this person? We just heard someone was nifter, and they're laughing. Does that make sense for step one? First, acknowledging yourself. Um, yes, let's say I can work. I work in a school, and I feel like a teacher screaming at a student, I would laugh, and they, they like, get very upset at me. Okay, so you might explain it to them after. Saying, I want you to know I wasn't laughing. It's just my way of dealing with tension as I laugh. And I smile. Uh, and do you think it's like a problem? Well, you see it's a problem. It's uncomfortable. Uh, and if I would go on in life like that, is it fine? You tell me. But how do I change it? Just by telling people? Okay, well, that's no, no, no. That's not how to change it. That is minimizing the damage. Okay. Okay. Now, the way we can start changing it is, let me start asking you. When you feel like crying, do you always cry? Um, no. No. When you feel like laughing, do you always laugh? No. All right. So is there a way that you can start learning how to regulate your stronger emotions that when you see something happening, not to laugh or to cry, not to have any emotion, not to express any emotion? Okay. Okay means it makes sense. It doesn't make sense. It's possible. It's not possible. I could use a little um, bit more I could feedback. Try. All right. So can we try something now? Think of a certain situation, a certain scenario where that's happening, and you're just going to keep a straight face. You don't have to have a reaction. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's step one. Step two, let me ask you, how do you feel about actually crying, about actually being scared? Um, I just try to cover it up. Bingo. Now, why do you try covering it up? Because um, I don't want like, other people to think, like, I don't know. Yeah, that you're having a painful emotion, showing and expressing pain and sadness. Which now validates the first concept I mentioned of, of reaction formation. Or emotional reaction. No, I think it's reaction form. I'm not trying to remember the professional term that they use in cognitive behavioral therapy. I'm pretty sure it's reaction. Oh, I can even search it a minute over here while I talk to you. But whatever the word is, the concept is that, yeah, it's reaction formation. Yes. That whatever the point is, the, the whatever the word is called, it's about you growing. It's about you learning to feel safe with emotions. How do you expect to be a good parent if your kid is in pain and you can't validate the emotion? How are you going to be a great wife if your husband's having a tough day and you're laughing it off? Oh, it's okay. It's all bashert. Of course it's bashert. But now we have still got to process the emotion. There's a time to cry. There's a shiva. Imagine chas v'shalom. Someone has to sit shiva and they have a reaction formation. Whoever comes, they're busy laughing and smiling away. We've got to be comfortable with emotions. The Rabbi Shalom has given us happy exciting emotions he's also given us sad and tragic emotions and they're meant to be experienced they're not meant to be stuck in any of them but it's meant to be balanced and here's where i would recommend where your guidance can come in out to start feeling safe with feeling positive and negative emotions and expressing them yeah. all right Okay. Thank Thanks you. a lot. I appreciate that. By the way, are you still on? Yeah. All right. Give me a little feedback. It's like, uh, okay. 
Like, share with me. Talk. What are your thoughts? What do you mean? I just gave certain information. What are your thoughts? Um, that I'll try to work on myself. Okay. Now, let me ask you another question. Which one of your parents, don't answer that, did you feel not safe to express emotions by? It means one of them could either be angry, anxious, or everything is a secret. Um, I didn't want my grand worry so much about me. I just can't. Good. Fine. Yeah, because there's a lot of silence. There's a lot of you listening. I could sense, and maybe it's not correct. That's what I was asking. But there's a lot of hesitation when you speak. And many times it's like the subconscious, like where we're taught, it's not safe to talk. Keep secrets. Don't say this. Make sure when you go to the neighbor's house, don't say this and this. Remember, this that happened in our house never gets told. When we're busy with all the don'ts, shouldn'ts, don't speak, it creates in the subconscious distrust within ourselves. We don't know what we could say, what we can say. There's a lot of doubt. And that's all I just wanted to bring out, just to be aware that there could be a lot that's not even safe to share sad feelings because we always have to be positive. We always have to be smiling. Everything is great in our life. No, it's not. And that's one of the beauties of this program. I thank her, Nissen, that we have him over here live helping us out, is that through this program, thousands of people are listening and they're getting an awareness. And I'm getting messages daily about how they're just recognizing basic emotions, feelings that they're allowed to be, just to be human, that the Rabbi Shalom has created us with. And it's just awareness. This main program of this is awareness. We're not here to do therapy. Therapy can't be done on air. But it's okay, for the awareness. You so You're very welcome. I thank you. The number to call in is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. And we have Beth. Beth on the air with Mordechai. And listen. In Yiddish. When I yingle for now, you were out. And my yingle will go to the dentist. And they will go to the dentist. Let's drive you more. He's a nine-year-old boy. Okay, so a nine-year-old boy. And every time, the last three times he went to the dentist, something happens. So that's the dry Dry or the feet. Um, there's a guy Okay, so let's understand. His question is that the last three, four times that he had to go to the dentist, he started saying, no, 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 I don't want to go. He's afraid of the pain, right? Good. Yes, let me ask you. Can you just imagine, what could you do to imagine as the Vesner's Moirohoven Nishvin the Needle, Nishvin the Vaitog, as the Vesgunish feeling? Um, sechs Tage, it's schade, aber das habe ich schon getreut, wie ich mir noch nicht mehr gewähnt habe, nicht mehr gewähnt habe, ja, nicht mehr gewähnt habe, Dentist, ich habe getreut, Gäuden, am Malochumstein, no, no, not then. Wait, not then. Now, now. Before then. We don't do it at the Masa. We don't do Bishas Masa. So what this boy said is, he tried it. He said he's tried imagining that Malachma protecting him at the dentist, and at first it helped a little, but then it didn't. No, no, no. We're not talking about ahead of time. We're not no, talking about Bishas Masa. We're talking about ahead of time. Now. Um, then when it's that serious, something like that. No, 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 no. Let's hold off a second. 
What I would recommend over here is this is not something episodes McKenzie often minute do. It's not something that we could do on. It sounds like it needs already a little bit more. Sometimes, if it's just one thing, I when I hear I know a kind of problem, but if I say just commenting off the telephone as I have minute, but when I start hearing there's more there, then you need more, which means I behold also can't help in a finite minute. Then clients would only come to me for five minutes and then be done. Many times there's a lot more that's needed, or most of the time it is. That's why I pick and choose which clients I which people I hear over the phone that will try it with. What I hear from you is Sekenzana's the Dapsta Bisselmeir one-on-one attention, how to do this, or more than Yoinus, or there could be other issues, there could be other fears that's a makar, that it doesn't just start over here. All right, Dov. So what I'm saying is I appreciate it. You're extremely brave and very zis. Extremely cute, the personality, how you're asking the question. But I think the next level would need more someone one-on-one that would help deal with the concern of the fears. Shkoyach. And I'm so proud and amazing how brave you are. The number to call in is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. Moshe, you're on the air with Mordechai and Nissen. Yeah, hi. Hi, Shalom Aleichem. Yeah, um, my question is that I then can't express my emotions. Not my emotions to talk, my emotions to cry. Yeah. I didn't cry for the last 18 years. Maybe in the last Two months of crying, a little bit. I have to for the last year. Somebody in a shakalakamatsuk. Wait, let's take a step back. You haven't cried for 18 years. In the last two months, you're starting to cry a little. Only one time. Only one time. What happened? That What was the story that that one time that you were actually able to cry? I'm curious. What's the trigger to release that emotion? Um, I see somebody in the shul is um, say college. Small boy, mm-hmm. but uh, I cry sometimes. I feel that I need to cry, but I didn't can cry. Yes. Now let's go to the classical question that I ask as a therapist: In your family, how did they regard emotions? Your mother and father. Mm, I didn't can tell them, but I was also I didn't have a father or mother. You didn't have ear. It's coming out very low. Can you speak a little stronger, please, with a little bit more power in your voice? <clears throat> yeah, I didn't can say that. I don't have a mother. You don't have a mother? Mm-hmm. Your mother was Nifta. How long ago? Mm. Oh, it's uh, 18, 19 years. 18, 19 years. And what about your father? How does your father process emotions? Um, my father normally. Does it depends. It depends. Doesn't answer the question, or doesn't give me the information. It depends no, on what. On, uh, it depends on his mama. Like uh, Rosh Hashanah, is he crying? You know. I'm talking about in general. How is he not by Yom Tovim in the house? How does he express emotions? Happiness, sadness. Normally. Say that again. Normally. What does normally mean? He can like cry if it's not Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur? I was not too much at home, you know, this is the thing, with my father. How, I, mean, I guess I'm going to be asking you, how old are you? If your mother was nifted about 18 years ago, 19 years ago, and you weren't much at the house, how how old I'm were you when your mother was nifted? 30. You were 30? No, now I'm 30. Now you're 30, so if your mother was nifted, so you're about 12 years old. Mm-hmm. 
let's understand let's just take a moment and just imagine what 12 year old kids feel when a mother is nifter there's a major loss well, i feel that i have a bullet a bullet a bulletproof uh, around of course my of course and the brain why do you why would you think the brain would create a bulletproof glass around the emotion of crying I need to protect myself. Exactly. Uh, Excellent. What do you think you'd be protecting yourself for the last 18, 19 years? Well, then I can't express too much. Yeah, what couldn't you express? And let's make an assumption that it's about your mother being nifted. Just an assumption. Maybe it was about your mother being nifted. Maybe it was that people weren't taking care of you the way you needed. Maybe you're now being you're the classical victim bully. What are emotions that were never expressed that you think would want to express themselves? No, it's a deep thing what you need to Again, I'm straining hard to hear you speak. It's a deep thing, what you need to talk. Yeah, what's the deep thing that needs to be spoken? Do you feel safe to say it? It's a long schmooze. It's a long schmooze. Excellent. So what I'd recommend now is you find someone that you could do that long schmooze. And I wonder how you would feel when you give that long schmooze. Can you just imagine for a moment what it's like when you finally got that long schmooze out? Ah, uh-huh. so let me ask you, what's holding you back 18, 19 years to give it out? I will just share with you that I understand it. I'm someone that has given therapy to thousands of people, Baruch Hashem, talking about those successful, and I have therapy done on me as well. And just about probably two months ago, before Yantiv, was the first time which in therapy I've discussed several times but not gone as deep that I've really gone deep into a certain pain that really, really into it. And I feel a different person the last six weeks. I just feel so grounded, so light, so free. And Baruch Hashem, major changes are happening, are continuing to happen because of that. So I could understand keeping things in for 10, 20 years. That's with going to therapy. But well, I can tell you one thing, going through it the last six, seven weeks, the Rabbi Shalom has given me major ups and major downs, and I feel so much more at ease going through the process. So my friend, find that person, let them listen to you for four or five hours straight if needed, laugh, cry, scream, jump, dance, but go through the feelings. All right? Hello, Reb Moshe. All right. We lost you and Hatzlacha. Siyata Deshmaya. Hello? Oh, you're with us. Great. Do you yeah, hear what... What, do you, kind, what? What, kind of, what kind of therapy is needed? Let's not... Who said you need therapy? I first heard that you never spoke it out. Give to someone that you trust. Who's someone that you trust? Talk for three, four hours. Talk, talk, talk. The pain. You... You want the person to ask you what emotions hasn't been expressed in 18 from when the age of 12. Ramosha. All right, Shkayach for calling in and Hatzlacha. Who do we have next? Esti, you're on the air with Mordechai. Yeah, hi Mordechai. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure, and to hear a loud voice and words are flowing. Ah, what a change! Yeah, my kids are all sleeping, so I could talk loud now. I am honored. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, um, this is, takes a lot of courage, but I'm doing it because um, I wanted to call in for a long time now, and I just want to uh, say a big thank you to not only you but to Mrs. Weinberger. 
I oh. feel that on behalf of everybody, even though I didn't speak to everybody, um, I know we all would love to thank her because behind every great man, there's a great woman. And without her support, I'm sure you would never be doing this. And she just had a baby, Mazel Tov, and you're still doing this. And just, um, you know, I know what it is. I know what it's like to, you know, be a wife and, and try to support your husband and, and what he's doing. So I just want to thank her publicly. Excellent. Hold on. give over the message. I will. Hold on. Before you go any further, let me tell you how much credit my wife gets. A night <laughs> sure. like tonight, I will not be sleeping home at all. I'll be sleeping over in Brooklyn because I won't be able to drive back and forth. And I asked my wife, is it okay if I do it? And she said, definitely go ahead. So this program is only because my wife is giving up. Having a husband being at home the certain hours, I'm not learning with my son tonight, which my family gives up, my daughter not doing homework with them, and especially at night, which I don't help that much, to be honest. I usually am a deep sleeper, unfortunately, but the, that I do help and being there, which means a lot, and other stuff isn't happening, and my wife is giving that up knowingly, and we both do it together for helping Klyusol. And as we say many times over, people are assuming I get paid huge over here from the J-Root Radio. Dot com and I could just say that's all volunteer work really, Baruch Hashem. And no, yeah. it's not for getting clients because Baruch Hashem, I've been popular, Baruch Hashem, at least with clients for many, many years before. It has helped, it has enhanced, it has given me covet, it has given me respect, it has taken my, me to myself on a whole new level. But the reason, one of the most, I should say, one of the most important reasons that we're both doing it is to help Klai Yisrael and my wife gets equal credit huge amount of credit for that because i don't know other people that will let have like a newborn baby and like a month old and like at already last week i did drive home but i got home at around 12 12 30 at night and i left already at 6 30 in the morning so wow yeah wow. so my wife gets a huge amount of credit and especially to her the way she raised the kids i've been sometimes we used to call me at the beginning years a hot solo member the concept when i still had a cell phone whoever called me just <laughs> emergencies so even when i was home it's i'm sorry i have to leave i have to go out <laughs> last yeah. year when i didn't have the cell phone for a year i took the kids somewhere we drove it was like an, two hours away and i asked the kids what do we like about this vacation well this trip they said it's the first time we're in the car with you and you're not saying i just have to take this call just for a minute and it took up the entire ride wow so my wife and my kids get a tremendous amount of credit for that's like when you're saying like behind every great man stands a great woman yeah. by me it's yeah. so much more because without my wife taking care of the kids and doing the amazing job she's doing i can tell you clearly i will not be here i would not have been here tonight right and supporting you and and, and, supporting and going and, along with yes, it and yes. being happy with what you're doing and being proud of you yeah so thank you it means a lot to yeah. me and it means a lot to her because i do play she listens many times to the programs i'm but, sure <laughs> yes but i will have her listen to this part she deserves it yes, yes she does and a big mazel tov again thank you Okay, I have a little question. I'm not sure you'll take it, but can I just ask it? Always ask. And then we'll yes. see if you, you know, okay, Well, thanks. you just buttered me up, so I might have to break the rules a little with this great thank you to my <laughs> wife. So. Okay, no, 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 we don't mix the two. If He's under nine. He's five, my son. Okay. But I thought maybe it's a little bit different, so. Yeah. Okay, so the question is, um, he has a really, really, really um, huge fear of fire, and I don't see how a parenting class could help me out with that. And I know why he got it, because we had a few little scary um, incidents in the house with the, with the, the stove and the bubbles over, and then all of a sudden there's like a huge, you know, fire. And at one, once it was a little more major, another time was less major. Baruch Hashem, they were all, you know, I, I was able to extinguish them really fast. But he, every time, it's all been, you know, very, very 
you know, this all just happened within the last few weeks, one after the next, little episodes, but for a five-year-old, I see that he, he just developed a fear of fire, and I, and I don't, you know, I'm just wondering if you have, like, maybe a little tip or two of something to, to help me help him so, like, maybe I could nip it in the bud or, you know, I'm just sure. not sure exactly the right way well, this to question, deal with it. this question we will take, and not because oh, uh, you, you complimented my wife, but because it's not a thank parenting you. question. It's more a question of, like, how to deal with an anxiety or a beginning, or a beginning fear. I don't even want to call it an anxiety. Right. So, thank you. I appreciate it. Excellent. So let's start with the concept of exposure therapy. It's a classical tool. An exposure therapy concept is... And they also try to do it the closer to the trauma, the better. That means that if someone had a car accident, you want to get them in the car as soon as possible. And this way, the brain does not develop all the theories and thoughts and all the rationale and all the distortions and all the denials why they're afraid of the car. And they'll come up with different reasons. I don't feel safe for the driver. Well, really, they're afraid of the car. So with your son, what I would try to do, the concept of exposure therapy is to get the person, now there are two ways of doing exposure therapy, either to do the extreme one first, if someone's afraid of swimming, just drop them into the deep water, or you start the small way and you build their way up. So you might take them next to the water, then you get into the pool, then you go up to the waist, then you teach them, you know, a little higher up, and then you feel safe, you might take a tube with you. I'm a big believer in the slower process rather than the more extreme, which means... First, you might ask your son to draw a picture of, of a fire. Ask him, does it hurt? Are you afraid? No. And you'll see it's safe. Touch the paint. Touch the picture. Then you might turn on a stove fire and say, look, mommy's next to the stove. Come next. Come with me. Right. I do that all the time. I mean, every day. And sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. But um, he's, he's just, he keeps standing near me and, and telling me, you know, don't move away from it. Watch it. Lower the flame. You know, I'm scared. Yeah. Like, well, part of exposure therapy is, okay, be scared. So you continue hugging him. So you'll have the mother's security and you stay next to the fire for about a minute or two. And then he asks, if I move, walk away, he asks me to come back and watch it because sure. if I walk away, it's, something can happen. And, you know. Okay. And then the next step is, and then you also tell him, now you stay next to the fire and I'll take two steps away from you. See how safe you feel standing there. You do one step at a time. That's exposure slowly. Another concept is you could just put a candle on, like the, like the half-dollar candles, and tell them, just go next to it. Put the, put the plate under it. Look how safe. It's okay. You want them just to get comfortable with the concept of a fire. Another thing that works very well is, and that's a system that I do a lot, is trying to ask him to imagine something. What would give him the imagination that he's always safe around fire? And it might be mommy's always with me, so you'll tell him, okay, we're going to stand next to the fire, close your eyes, and imagine mommy's with you. Even if I walk away, and you might take a step away and ask him to close his eyes and see mommy's with you or mommy's touching you or hugging you. Or you might want to give him something that you have, like here's mommy's pen. Hold mommy's pen and feel mommy's right there with you. You might want to imagine, you might want to buy him, let's say, just a fire department. You like to have those firemen, those little hats and the thing. Now, let's say his name is Schmilly. Now Schmilly's a fireman. Mm -hmm. And psh, make like the water hose. We're pouring out the fire. Be creative with kids. I'll share with you just a concept on, like, where kids don't have to be exactly right on it. I was once privy to watch an exceptional play therapist, and she had a kid that was, what was the kid afraid of again? Yes, a child was born, a sibling was born, and they didn't feel the love. Like, it's the, it was the youngest kid, and they really felt jealous. They're fighting and hitting. And what the therapist asked was speaking to the kid, saw the kid had a doll, like, that was like her baby. So she asked the mother to hold the baby's doll 
and to treat it like a little baby. Now, how the subconscious works is when we take care of the person's like baby doll, they feel as if it's themselves. So what your son might be feeling is that when he sees the flame, he's always seeing the fire. You can ask him, what can I hold? Maybe I'm wearing the fire hat, like you, the parent, and the fire jack, and they have nothing to worry about. If there's ever a problem, you call mommy, and the fire department's coming. You got it? Yeah, yeah, the, I got so it. So the concept definitely. is, A, number one, physical exposure therapy. Slowly get him used to it. But number two, stop playing with the subconscious. Start educating the subconscious. That means... You're the fireman. I'm the fireman. See, if there's ever a fire, it's safe. It's okay. Woo, woo, right. woo. You're the fireman. Come, let's put out the fire. If you make a play, a game out of it, you might see how easy it is. Five-year-olds work amazing with their imaginations. I think that would go better with him than the first thing you mentioned. I, th yeah. I think maybe he's too young for imagining mommy's with you. Okay. Okay, very good. I'll try good. them both. Thank try you that. so much. Yes, and keep your pen. And please, let us, let us be with you. You might also choose to give him. You can have mommy's pen with you at all times. He might need it just for a day or two, and then he won't need it anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Kids are very creative. The subconscious is very resilient, and what they like is actual seeing things. Kids, like if they see the fire hat, the fire jacket, they don't even have to have the fire jacket. You could just give them any cap and say, this is a fire cap. Here, we'll put something red on it. We'll put a red crayon, and kids' imaginations are so powerful that they'll see, I'm now a fireman. Okay, thank you so much. And Excellent. by the way, and, yeah. it's, not as, it's not as scary to call in as I thought it was. No, so isn't that amazing? Do you know the first time? Let everybody know that. Uh, I would wish to call in and they say, no, I can't ask Mordechai my question. I'm too nervous. I'm too afraid I'll sound crazy. You know? It's you sounded extremely as it, normal. As it, as it feels. You sounded extremely normal, extremely healthy, very put together and very clear. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you Excellent. so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, bye. We've got Go Yosef. Yosef, you're on the air with Mordechai and Nissen. Hello, 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 hello. Yes. Hello. Yes. Okay. I asked two questions. One question is like this. Can I ask you a uh, question for Sir Biasel? What? Can I ask you one question? Okay. Where are you calling from? From, from New York. New York. Okay. No, the accent. I was wondering if you're calling from out of town. Go okay. ahead. Okay. Okay, the, the first question is like this. Um, if somebody has, uh, in Bismarck, they have somebody uh, uh, who is a little disabled. Yeah. And, in, and he, needs, he needs the help from the island, but the question is that he, uh, he, he's like somebody, somebody gets, gets his, uh, his attention. He's like, like sitting on him. He's, He's, he's taking much, much more than he needs, and everybody tries to go away from him. But he needs help. It's like, it's like. Yes, he's disabled. He's developmentally disabled. He needs someone watching him, a shadow, or. Yeah. I don't know. He, he, no, he, he's, I, um, he's not mentally. He's physically. He needs somebody like. Uh, bring him to a car and bring him in. Bring oh, him okay. Out. I misunderstood you. He's. Yes, so he's physically disabled, and what's happening is he's abusing the system a little. Yeah, and it's 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 for both. Is is he's gonna he's gonna lose uh, he's gonna lose some helpers, and, and also who who helps him? It's uh, yeah. lose. It's for him and it's for us. Yeah. Excellent. So, what is your what is your question? 
question is how how uh, how we can set boundaries. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how. What is your role know. with him? It's it's actually in the Bismadrish, and and everybody knows that uh, I hear that he has a lot of craving uh, and not want to speak to him because that it's actually my friend. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just cutting to the point. What is your question? The question is how how we can show him we you want to, want help to you. give someone else therapy without him asking for therapy. I don't understand. You're asking you want to help someone when the person's not asking for help. No, we want to help us. <laughs> we want to we want to want to try to give him the help, but with uh, You're not, the limit. So what's the issue? You just set the limit. I want you to realize your question is deeper than you're asking, and I want you to be clear with your question. So just set the limit. Ah, uh, but he is not. Ah, he's not going. that's oh. what I was waiting for. <laughs> Go ahead, finish it. When you set okay. the limit, what happens? Okay, that he he needs therapy. You say. Oh, bingo! Now you got me. The issue isn't you guys. The issue is when you guys stop, he'll start having tannas. He's going to start getting upset. Yeah. You're going to start feeling guilty. You're going to see mm -hmm. how, who's going to help him. How will he get better? Yeah. And this is the one question that I have not yet found the simple solution. I could tell you the complicated solution. The simple solution is... Sorry, let's rephrase it. The simple solution, I don't know. The complicated solution, I can help you. And that is to tell this person, look, we feel you're taking advantage. We love helping you. Or we feel that you can do but more. Which he'll probably say, it's not true, you don't understand me, if you would know what I'm feeling, and all those points. So generally what we try to do is we try to tell the person, look, this is, this is how much I could help you. I really want to help you more, but I can't. And then he's going to start going, but how am I going to manage? Who's going to take me to the car? And now is when you can start doing the therapy role or the suggestive role. That's a great question. What choices do you have? We want to shift it to him. Because people that are, I have an entire program program number 32 called I am a victim I have another one number 40 on my phone line which is called we're all labeling assignment that means as long as we stay stuck in our limitations and the Rabbi Islam has given everyone we will never get out of it now of course someone with a developmental disable has every excuse and has every right in the world but I'm not going to go I, I don't want to share because it's a from station and all that but I have seen there are like clips of someone that doesn't have any hands at all and I've heard one of the nicest pieces of music, how this person played with his toes. And one of his concepts is to say that he used to play or he didn't play. And he says, I want to show that I am not an invalid. There's an unbelievable person. I don't remember his name, but he's a chassidish younger man that I saw him. I was supposed to speak together with him at a conference. And he was explaining what it's like to be in a wheelchair, not being able to reach the cheese section when you're in a wheelchair in a grocery because there are usually two, three layers. So the milk is always grounded. But when you have to hit cheese, he doesn't reach. Do you know what it feels like to have to ask people for help? And he had two choices as he spoke. Is I could have stayed down and said, Nebuch, I'm an invalid and I can't go to the grocery. I'm embarrassed or say I'm strong and I can go. Every one of uh, us has our limitations and our disabilities. Mm -hmm. There is one of the top motivators. I don't like saying people's names really on air because then people start going and they take it Haskamas. Now, sometimes a lot of kids that aren't aware to the, to the outside axis, but there's one of the top motivators. He's like the motivator for presidents and all that. And one of his first steps in his theory is you got to face your fear. 
So by facing your fear means if someone's afraid of heights, cause I, I watched him do it. They have like certain programs where he did it. He had a guy have to have to jump out of an airplane skydive. So someone that's afraid of 20 feet, he makes you do your biggest fear skydive at a 10,000 feet. And his concept is once you break your biggest fear, you know everything is possible. He had a, okay. he had a multi-millionaire so, face. What's their biggest fear? To be homeless? He made them go 10 days to a homeless shelter. Without their access, they had they allowed them to have they paid for a security guard to be with them, but they had to be in a homeless shelter. What's the worst that will happen? A homeless shelter, go there, be it, experience it. After that, they were able to work on all their other fears. Mm -hmm. So now, the issue is not you guys. The issue is you guys are trying to help a person that has gotten away, not gotten away, that their bunchlim has given them a disability, and because of people's rahmanas, they were too rahmim on this person that now instead of helping him, they've actually hurt him. Uh -huh. And now is where we call tough love in the therapy world. That's when a parent tells the kid, I feel very bad that it's 12 o'clock at night, but you didn't study yet for the test. Now go study. We're not accepting uh -huh. failure from you. You're going to do well. Uh -huh. So what do you say about this? First of all, uh, we are the cases of uh, abuse the system. Let's put it like this. Yes. You know, it's, uh, it's abuse the system. And people feel, uh, you know, I don't know what happened. This guy was in his house or, you know, all the system was around Nebuch, his case. And, uh, but you have to tell him, listen, uh, my friend, uh, we love you very much. And this is what we're thinking, that uh, you abuse the system and try to work where you want to our help. You have to help yourself. Azov, Tazov, Imo, together. <laughs> you know, not, to, not without. If he's standing out and aside, it's not an obligation from the Torah. You have to obligate Imo together. That is, as Rav Nissen said, there's a, a Mishnah in Bob Matziah that says exactly that. What happens if this guy makes his cheshbin, you have a mitzvah to help me, so I'm going to load up my donkey, and you're going to help, and you have a mitzvah, I don't have to do it. And that's what the Mishnah <coughs> says, Ozef Tazev Imoy, that if he's not helping, and if he's not working, you have no mitzvah to help him along. Rav Nissen, you're right <coughs> on. So now, this guy, but if the person's not ready for therapy, you know what they say? Do you know how hard I worked? Do you know what it means for me just to get dressed? Do you know what I have to get to shul? And that's why I'm going back to the first point. If someone is stuck in the victim status, it's very hard. And therefore, you always got to send it back to them. If someone throws a hot potato kugel to you, what do you do? You throw it back. You can't hold it. It's, okay, wow, you, you have do? such a hard time. What can you do about it? My mother should help me. My cousins don't talk to me. Right. And what can you do about it? Shift it back to him. So what is within your power? Do you know how I can't do anything? So in the nothing that you can do, what can you do? Over and over and over. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. But it's not easy. Uh -huh. I want you to know I'm giving you words that sound so simple. I'm a therapist and I get many times these clients. I usually weed them out. It means by the third session, they go, okay, my friend, we've krechts, we've cried together. Now, are we ready to do movement or are we ready to cry and krechts? Usually it doesn't go to three sessions, but the most the person could krechts is three. Uh. And sometimes I don't continue with them, not because I can't help them, not because they don't deserve to cry along, but that's not where I choose to spend my energy with. Mm. All right, my friend, so you're dealing with the hardest of cases with someone where there is a reason, there is an excuse. Maybe he needs therapy and he's so stuck in the pain that he can't help himself. But even mm -hmm. if that's the case, we got to get it started. Mm -hmm. Make sense? Yeah, very. Okay, thanks. You're it's very... It's for you and for Nissan. For
best. Thank you. I would again recommend for you to listen to call up the phone line is 718-298-2011. In section one, I have two programs. Number 32 is I'm a victim. And in Yiddish, it's number 33. It's one number off. And on the English, the second program I want to tell you is number 40, which is where all labor the assignment there. I give the concept how to get out of that. In Yiddish, it's number 41. And always to 30, mention... 30, 32, No, 48. 32 and 40. 32 and 40. That's in okay, the English. Thanks. Thanks. And just to mention for those of you, which is an amazing organization, they have Shirem of Rabbanim, and they practically give it out for free just to even cover their expenses, which it never does. It's like two, three dollars a CD. And they have these these Shirem in Yiddish. You can speak to them to download them or go to any of their places, a fantastic organization. And don't ever worry about me making any money and don't worry about them making any money because all these organizations run on a complete loss. So. Just know that it's your benefit, and uh, don't think in any way you're doing that for me. Thank you. We have Bina on ear with Mordechai and Nissen. Yeah, hi, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. If you could just hold a second, there's a beautiful message that I got from someone, and I appreciate it. I want to thank Esty for expressing what I want, what I wanted to. Thanks tons for Mrs. Weinberger. She definitely gets the scar. I'd love to meet her and speak to her. She must be an amazing woman. Hashem should give you both more schar than you can hope for, both in this world and in the next. Thanks. Amen. I thank Tilmer Shem 120 together, and I'd like to include Harav Nissen in that same brach as well. Amen. And I want to say that my wife, you know, otherwise, no, you know, behind, you know, this is the suffering a lot of many years. Yes, Harav Nissen is here. He's got what to do. He works full day in construction. That's what he does. And at night, instead of being with his beautiful family, he's here. And helping out. So, and he's here many nights, not just as I do at one night. He's here many a night and taking care of things. Rav Nissen, I appreciate the jrootradio.com. Thank you. And your wife and your family. All right, you're on. Hello? Yeah, hi. Uh, we had some change in school. They split the class, so I'm not in the same class with my friend. So, I found a very hard to socialize with girls. So I want to know how I can get more like friendly with the girls. Ah, that is an amazing question. Now let me even validate, which means let me give an explanation to what a great question you're asking. At different stages in life, we have different priorities that mean so much to us. Do you know what's the number one priority that I find, and it's discussed all over also in the psychology books that is for teenagers? Friendship. For friends, for teenagers, friendship is the most important thing out there. You get a self-esteem as to who are your friends. You build a self-esteem by people that wake up that have texts. How many texts did I get today? How many friends called me? How many people when I walk into school said hello and know my name? How many people, how many times did the teacher speak to me? The self-esteem of a student during those teenage years is what we need to learn how to get a more healthy one. But we first need to understand how the brain works is based on validation. How many friends do I have? How safe do I feel with friends? How loved am I? And then I feel great even if I don't get good marks. And then on the other hand, if you get good marks, but you don't have any friends, these kids can be in a terrible state. So friendship to a teenager is probably from the top three most important points that they need. Does that make sense? Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah sure. Sure. Now, when classes get split or changed, what happens is we lose, teenagers lose their support. Their, that emotional support that they had, their foundation that they're standing on. So for an adult, it's imagine changing jobs. You got to go to a whole new company. You got to bring in more money or money. You got to go to new buildings, meet new people, learn a new job, a new task. 
for a child, for teenagers, changing classes is the same as for an adult changing to a whole new business where you don't know anyone. Now, being that I can understand what great pain you're going through, I have two special programs about that. And there are really three of them. Number one in my program, and it's in the phone line, is number 18. Learn how to connect to anyone. That's really how to connect, make friends. And I have number 19, the one after that, how to make friends, but which is really how to make best friends. And then there's a number 21 right after that, because I, I know what I was going through in my life when I created those programs, was beginnings. For us to realize that you as a teenager are not the only person that just goes through beginnings. That it's something new. Everyone at all stages goes through that. And if we learn to master it, we can grow. So many people say, oh, I'm 40 years old. I can't change anymore. I'm 60 years old. I can't change anymore. How am I supposed no. to move? I'm supposed to move. It's so hard. Sometimes I even hear it from 17-year-olds. How am I supposed to change? I'm so old. And therefore, <laughs> and therefore what I'd like you to realize is the importance of making friends, learning how to make friends, and being able to go through this process of changes. So thank you for the call. And this, what would you have said to that, by the way? No. All right. We're going to Rachel. You're on the air with Mordechai. And Nisim. Hello, Hello, sir. Yes. Hello, ma'am. Yeah. yeah, you hear me? Yes, I hear you clearly. Yes, yes, sorry. Yeah, I have a question. Um, if someone suffers from anxiety, like basically the symptoms are because of their thoughts and the only like they are currently receiving therapy. Wait, if you can say that again. Someone is in someone is in If someone suffers from anxiety, yes. Pretty much like, like any symptom they experience. Obviously the anxiety symptom, but it's it's kind of This sounds a little too fancy. Could you like give me an example? Let's say someone suffers from anxiety that they're afraid of something. Like just, like just plug it in because it's like when it gets so, so fancy. Right, right. So like if someone um the anxiety symptoms could be let's say dizziness or lightheaded. Yeah. But it, it kind of gets worse when they think about it. Yeah. And the only way I mean the therapist says like your cognitive cognitive therapy is the only way, you know, for a person to kind of that yeah, is not true, you know, by the way. The only is very not true. It has one of the highest results of therapy, right. but there are many other systems as well. Cognitive behavioral therapy has lots of success, but there are many other systems as well. So that's my question. Um, is I mean, the therapist says the cognitive therapy is the only way. Is there any other ways? I mean, any other way around that a person can, you know, I guess minimize. How the, long? How long is this person going to this cognitive therapist? For about a year. Oh, my. wow. For a year? And how much has it gotten better? Um, kind of. I mean, it's not fully better. That's for sure not. Is it 50% it's, better? Is it 70% better? Is it 30% better? Like 30%. 30% yeah. better. Is the, And when you say the person went for about a year, did they go weekly? Did they go bi-week, twice a week? Did they go once a month? It was weekly. Yeah. Weekly for one year and only 30% better, I would tell you now it's time to speak to the therapist. you got to change. This is to me a Himmelgeschrei. This is not healthy, no. means there's some other types of therapeutic modalities needed. No. Mm -hmm. Going one year to therapy and only 30% better for anxiety, no. Absolutely so not. So what, what does, um, what do there you are many. First of all, First of all, medication should have been an option as well. But way before we get to medication... I'm a big believer in alternative therapy as well. 
I don't, I mean, um, let me just think out loud for anxiety. First of all, in cognitive therapy, there's exposure therapy. There's so many different types, especially meant for anxiety. There's a different type of cognitive behavioral therapy called ACT, A-C-T. There is then the alternative therapist that I believe in as well, if you're going to a regular therapist, and that is um, EFT. Um, there could be some kinesiology that I'm a big believer in to do that as well. What else? There's so much, if you're doing the right processes, but again, here's where you need to see what other options are. I'm a huge believer in like the system that I do, although it doesn't have a name because it's really my system, but in tuning into the emotion, what's going on, deeper work. There's, mm -hmm. there's so much so out like, there. Right. I mean, the person cannot get um, persuaded that the dizziness is like coming from anxiety. It's not like something. Really I know that. I know that. Down. I understand you clearly, but going to once a week for therapy for a year, something is very not well here. There might even be, it might even be that cognitive behavioral therapy will work, just not this therapist anymore. Mm -hmm. I have now a client. We're working on termination. Baruch Hashem, I've been hugely successful, but we realized like the last six, seven sessions, things weren't moving and it's time now to have another therapist. I made the recommendation to someone else to finish the job. And for me, it was a big plus. I didn't have to hold on and say, I need to finish the job. Wow, I did 80% of the job. The last 20% I'm not able to close. Maybe the person's too close with me. Maybe the person knows me already. Maybe it's me. Maybe the person needs something else. It's okay. Yeah. I've learned to just accept the Rabbi Shalom, I'm thrilled and the person's thrilled and we're ending on beautiful terms. The Rabbi Shalom has let me help this person 80% of their life and that last bit we're not. doesn't mean we say, oh, I'm a failure or that person's a failure, but you got to move on. Mm -hmm. How long do you think that person stayed that only moved 30%? Most of the time I find therapy works when it stops. It works at the beginning and then at the end it doesn't. Like, if that person for six months didn't see major growths, it's six months too long, or I'd say it's four months too long. After eight sessions of no growths, we got to have the schmooze with the therapist. How could it, you know, I don't know how therapists sometimes have the confidence to take the money. If I know one session, the person says, I didn't see much results. A second session, a third session, I don't, I wouldn't have the confidence saying, sorry, we did three sessions. We don't see results. It's, we got to come up with plan B. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that, um, you know, the pretty much... Look, having the positive thoughts is not only the way to succeed. There's other options. Well, that's not even cognitive therapy. Cognitive therapy is not having positive thoughts. Cognitive therapy is actually uh, uh, identifying where the thoughts come from, challenging the thoughts. That's not real cognitive therapy from the Beck Institute, which are the ones that made the cognitive therapy. That's not cognitive therapy. I know cognitive therapy. Mm -hmm. Ask the therapist if they were ever trained in cognitive therapy. Many people, we go to college and we get our license. They don't teach us the modalities. If you want to know, then you go to a year or two to the institutes. I never went for my full year institute training of cognitive behavioral therapy. It's a year's training after. Find out if they ever did it. We get a license that we can treat. We're taught different modalities, the basics, but we never did advanced work. I don't call myself an advanced cognitive behavioral therapist. I didn't take the year training. I did not. I'll be honest. And I tell that to people. I did take their, their two-day training. I did take other workshops about cognitive behavioral therapy for trauma and other stuff. I always take trainings in them, and the concepts are always the same. But to say that I did a year training and I do only CBT, no, I use their modalities. So Find what, out. Does, what does um, Mr. Rabbi recommend? Does someone, let's say, you know, they do experience a lot of anxiety symptoms. I don't. I will not do that. I so many yeah. times. I'm also a believer in vitamins. There's so much I'd recommend if it's my client. I wouldn't do that. 
There's a physical vitamins I would recommend. There is this cognitive therapy that I would recommend to change therapists. Speak to the therapist what options are out there. Even medication might be an option. There might be some other stuff, talking to different people, clearing up past trauma, things like that. There are so much that I would recommend. Mm -hmm. Might be psychoanalysis a little bit. The, the new modern psychoanalysis, understand what's going on in the past. I'm a huge believer in the past. I'm a huge believer in the body work. Again, these are all alternative where we, look, we listen and we talk to the body. I do that all the time with my clients. What's the anxiety telling? Where in your body is laying the anxiety? Is it in your chest? Is it in your hand? Is it in your head? Then talk to the anxiety. What's it saying? We listen to it. What's its message? Just like we had from the first couple of callers, the guy that for 18 years he hasn't cried. And we asked him what happened about 18, 19 years ago. He said, oh, his mother was nifter. And he has so much to say he hasn't expressed. It's not cognitive therapy why he didn't cry. This is emotions. This is express yourself. It's not think positive and cry. Go to Levias and cry. And that's why I don't just believe in one system. I take courses all the time. Two, two weeks ago, I took a, a, another course in, in, in marriage counseling. I'm always building my toolbox. So I, it sounds to me that this conversation, that person needs to have with a therapist. I'm coming to you for a year. Only 30% got better. Will you change modalities? Do you have anyone recommend to? Things have got to change. Don't blame me. We don't blame the clients at all. I take responsibility, a huge percent of responsibility for the client getting better. And if I feel the client doesn't take responsibility, then I say, okay, we cannot continue working together because I expect more work or effort from my clients. Mm -hmm. Thank you for calling in and the bravery with your question. I appreciate that a lot. Thank you. Bye. You're very welcome. Hi. Bina, again, you're on there with Mordechai. And this yeah, hello. Hello. Sorry. Yes, we heard a lot of laughing in the background. <sighs> yes. Uh, yes, you're calling back. Yeah. Four. What? Yeah, what what what, what are you calling back? That um that my class was split, so I'm not with my friends, so I wanna Right, so we gave the recommendations, the three programs to listen to, right? Yeah. 18, 19, and 21. Uh, okay. You got it. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much. My pleasure. Hatzlach and siyata deshmaya. Suri, you're on the air with Mordechai and Nissen. Yeah, hi. Um, I called you already. I called you once. I asked about a student which was crying. Yeah. By math time. Baruch Hashem, that got better. Can you and share with me the question of what the suggestion was? Or I should say, can we share it with everyone listening? Yeah, no problem. Um, my question was then that I got a new student. She was first in a different school where they did not nap. Yeah. And whenever we had to go nap, um, sleep, it was sleeping time. She was very afraid and she was crying. And Baruch Hashem did, did, um, did get better. And she, as long um her class is next to me, she's calm and she's okay. But it went to a more and more extreme level. Whenever I just leave the class for a minute just to take water for a girl which, who is allergic to milk or any, like, stupid thing for two minutes, she starts crying. My partner's in class. She's like, no, if, if this teacher, whatever um, whatever my name is, if I'm not there, she's crying and crying, and I don't know what to do. It really makes me uncomfortable. Sounds like this kid has got a little bit more issues than than... Then just her mother tells me. Her mother tells me that at home she also protests many things that she only wants her father to do it, not her mother. And when her father is not here, she can many times. But I'm like wondering. It's really uncomfortable for any 
slightest thing. When I take my laundry, she's like crying away, and she's really not part of the class when I'm not there. The issue is, unfortunately, that what you're describing generally sounds like that there's a lot of neglect in the house, pain in the house. Well, I wouldn't think that. I didn't ask what you would think. I'm just telling one plus I would, one is No, two. I wouldn't think that on this kid and a family. I know the family very good. That's wonderful, and I'm thrilled. But proof is in the pudding. I tell people, I tell this to my clients all the time. If it smells like a chocolate cake, if it tastes like a chocolate cake, there's chocolate in there. There might wow. be... Now, there might be that the family is excellent, but this kid, they're not able to give the time and the attention to. There might be that other stuff are going on. I'll tell you, one of my biggest fears is that my kids will be able to say, Tati, you took care of the whole world, but you neglected us. Now, who would think that I would neglect my kids? And I want you to know I was doing that. That's part of the reason why I dropped my cell phone last year's Sukkot. It's now not this past Sukkot. It's now a year and two months I do not have a cell phone on me. I was neglecting my kids. If my kids would have developed certain issues, the world would not have believed it at all. But I would have known that I'm guilty. I chose to have people angry at me, Askanam angry at me. I chose to have Askanam say, we're not going to send you clients if you don't pick up when we call you for an emergency. I chose, made that conscious choice. And many people won't value that or they think, wow, it's amazing, but nah, you'll anyhow know. Everyone's got fears. By me dropping the cell phone, I had to make I had to make a conscious choice on picking my life over others, my family over others. So now let's understand this very clearly. For a kid not to feel safe, not to feel secure, not to be able to be left alone is telling you that there's something missing. Last week I discussed a little bit of theory of attachment theory. And that is that when a kid gets the hug and the kisses, what they need from their parents, they feel safe to go on their own. Yeah, that just made me think that maybe I'm giving too much of warmth and maybe... Uh, yeah. No, what it's saying is the kid is neglecting it from other places and they're not getting it within, so they need it from the outside. The question is... Ah, now you want to start becoming... Deal with it? It's not no. simple. It's not, not simple. Being, but how should I deal with it in the class? Not with her, but in the class. For example, so in the if class, I would tell her, you might discuss uh, with her ahead of time. When Moro leaves the class, who else can you have with you that you will be calm and relaxed? Do you want to have Mora's pen? So it's like an attachment. It's an item of yours that she can still feel attached with you. Do you want to have Mora to write you a little note that I care for you? Mora's always with you. Hashem is always with you. Okay, the thing is, if I'm going to tell her in advance... And it's only if I tell her, for example, teacher, whatever, is going to go out to bring water, and she'll be back soon. She's always, she will, like, look after me when I'm leaving the classroom, and the second I'm going to be there, like, she's going to have this bright smile, and she's not going to cry. But I don't think it's okay I should tell her every time. Like, really, I have to tell, you, I'll tell her every time I'm just leaving the class. Okay, I have so to the, tell her, like, you're right. And the next what? step is you tell her, so now hold my pen or hold that paper. Every time I leave, I don't need to tell you. We'll start practicing. Now I'm going to go twice without telling you, but you can have that paper. That's how we do behavioral therapy. We start practicing it in there. Okay, thank you so much. I'll try Excellent. it. Excellent. So you practice it. Once she does it twice without you needing to tell her, then you raise it to three and four times. I still want you to be aware, no matter what you think about the family, be aware that this kid somewhere is getting neglect, that they're not feeling the safety within and this is classical behavior. So if it smells like chocolate and it tastes like chocolate, I'm telling you there's chocolate in there. The mother could be loving. The father can be loving. But they might not be giving this kid the attention. So if I ate yesterday and I'm going to eat tomorrow, no. but I don't eat today, how will I feel today? 
I wouldn't think so. It's also my partner and me are like two different types. Okay. I am more like this warmth type, and my partner is like more this strong structure type. I'm also structured, but more with, with warmth. For example, I'll tell a girl, um, can do a sign instead of like come here. And with a little bit extra more than anyone else. And my partner was like, Kim and he, and, and why aren't you in bed? And I would say, like the sign of It's like a different. So, so she's looking for love, fear. right? She's looking yeah. for a little love. So now, again, if it smells like chocolate and it tastes like chocolate, she's looking for love. She's missing love. And when her love leaves the room, which is the love that you're supporting her, how does what is it telling us? What is she missing? Love and security. Now, Rav Nissen mentioned the point that I didn't even pick up on, so I'd like him and, to suggest uh, this as do, well. Do, do she has a sibling? Brother, sisters? Yeah, she uh, has and, one younger sister. And, She's uh, the oldest. And what about uh, Zaidi Om or something like this, that people that in the house? Right, maybe what do you think? The people that living in the house together. That's right. If you inform um, the parents that she's looking for love, they she might just need that hug. There's a parent that I've, I've had as a client recently, and that was one of my recommendations. When your kid comes home, just hug them till they pull away. And they might need a hug for five minutes. But once they get that and they feel full, their gas tank got full, they're done. Okay, thank you. And also a question from Revenus. I would like to know when the program for teachers will be. Uh, it's Are there will, any details? Uh, uh, it will be on, uh, I think, uh, December. Uh, the details will be in the radio, but uh, you can text us uh, we, and uh, leave me a note and we'll, we'll, give you, we'll call, call you back. Okay? Okay, so the number will you text into the yes. program or should yes. text you? Yes. Okay, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I, I just want to add something. I want just want to add that very, very basic. Some parents don't know how to... Uh, to appreciate, to to uh, impress the the love to the kids, and it's good to training that when the kids are sleeping, you know, go to the bed next to your kids, and start, you know, even pet and say I love you, even you know the kids feeling it up, and it's not you know some kids uh, some parents are ashamed to to express the love, do it during the sleeping, and later it's come nature, you know, because we growing up sometimes that it's not nice to show emotion. Not nice to, to, to impress love, but the kids need it. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much for both of you. Ah, my pleasure you. and honor and sports. Yes. We have Sruli. Sruli, you're on with Mordechai and Nissen. Hi, how are you tonight? Baruch Hashem, amazing and fantastic. Great. Um, I caught up last week and I was on hold for like like forty five minutes. So, Oy, I, no, it was it was okay. But I had a question last week, and then throughout this week, I have a different question. Go ahead. Let's so, hear both of them. Okay. So my first question is something something which I don't think you ever spoke about, at least not that I heard of. Um, basically, I wanted to know how to. I'm not sure what the right word is either. Internalize or remember things that I read and hear, which means. I read a lot of self-help books, and I read, you know, I listen to programs a lot, to, you know, on the hotline. And, like, you know, I, I, like, I listen to all these stuff, and I write them down to remember and to, like, you know, example, like, self-help books, how to communicate, like, the main tips, how to do it. But, you know, when it comes to, you know, it comes down, down to, you know, down to the bottom of it, when you get to meet someone, or when you do these things, like, you, like, like, or, like, as soon as I leave, like, the book, as soon as I start writing it down, it, like, leaves my mind, I forget all about it. 
Like even though like like I might like 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 review it every like every other night, but still like as soon as I leave that book, as soon as I leave the you know the things that I'm writing, like it leaves me and like it's just as if I never read it. I don't know like internalize it to get like to you know to take that thing I'm reading and put it into action. Well, let's answer your question with a question. Why does anyone ever need a therapist if you'll just take out a textbook and just read it? Someone's got OCD and just read it. No, but that book is the book is not a therapist. Uh, What's I don't the difference? What the difference? Because you need someone pushing you and you need someone uh, to know your case. And that's exactly your answer. Different. So there's so many. Part of them is role play. You need a little practice. So it's not just theory about a book. A large part is role play, practicing, preparing ahead of time. There's a way to do it. Imagine so, I, mean, I don't have... I don't have any, like, issues to see a therapist. I mean, like... Let's stop a second. I didn't ask you to see a therapist. I'm just clarifying. There's only so much you can do from a book. And you're saying you get the book, but in, re in practice, you're not able to get it to practice. That's where you need someone to help you practice. I'm not telling you to do a therapist, but at the same time, I'm telling you, you can't expect that from a book. Even like a Mussel not like any, not like, like any, the like... The Stiplus famous vart, when you're looking for someone to marry, he says, make sure the person is also Ben Odom Lechaveri, because a shtender doesn't yell back, a shtender doesn't ask you for anything, the famous story of the Stiplus. When they asked him, what do you look for in a shidduch, the person is a Talmud Chacham, the Stiplus said, I know, but a shtender doesn't answer back, a shtender doesn't complain, and a shtender doesn't ask you for anything. That was a Stiplus advice, make sure you know the person gets along with people. The book doesn't give you the actual challenge, the book doesn't have your heart nervous when you're going to do it. You need to practice with someone. Musa's farm, you're bringing that out. Today, I mean, let's forget about today. Let's talk about what Rabbi Victor Miller said all the time. Musa, in the Altaheim, used to be with a Chavruso, where the person was your Rebbe and told you what to work on. You spent an hour a day, not 15 minutes before Mayrev, or 10 minutes before Shachar's when we come in late, and then we're doing Musa. That's not Musa movement. The Musa, what it was in Europe, was an actual Musa Yeshiva, and you used to break your midas with a Rebbe on top of it telling you what to do. That was Musa. At least that's how Rabbi Victor Miller explains it. So when you're talking about your learning it and you're not internalizing it because we're not doing it correctly. So It's like a guy is going to go take out the art scroll, Gemara, and it's going to start learning. It's just not going to go there. Tires about the Haravanya, the Yiddish Atam. It's not going to work. So... What, so how do, you, how do I get to... to get a chavrusa. Work with it with someone. Get a chavrusa. Rav Nisa, what do I you get, say? The normal Melech said in the little tzetel, you know, the small tzetel. Tzetel cotton. Tzetel cotton, yeah. He said that uh, when you have the, you want to learn Musa over there, basically take a friend that you like and deal with him. And every time that it's, it's difficult for you, just go with him and tell him what is what, what happened to you. Like this, you will, will be... Uh, express yourself and give yourself uh, a chance that somebody hear it and you know that somebody knows your uh, weakness and it will be reinforce you. This, this is the, the settle cotton, you know. Yes. So that's the question number one. Let's go to question number two. Yeah, okay. Question number two is um, I have a huge passion and I mean I love those words this. already. I have a huge passion. It's life. Ah, yes. <laughs> Huge passion, and, and, and I mean, all my friends know about it, and they all tell me to do it, and I really think it has to get done. But my passion is, I mean, my pa I have a passion to do the following, to get, I mean, I've seen so many kids at risk already. I, I want to, you know, do something in, you know, where I live, right? I think you know where I live, I mean, you can understand where I'm coming from. I don't, and I actually do not see quite, I have no idea where you're coming <laughs> from. You okay, can be Brooklyn, you can be from Sake, you can be from, from, uh... 
Lakewood, you can be from anywhere. You can be from Baltimore. I don't know where okay, you're coming from. Okay, okay, fine. Okay, so you don't know, but I, 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 I'm not going to tell you where I am because, you know, it's not so nice for the city. But, I, 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 you know, I walk down the street, I see these kids, and, and I actually know a lot of those kids. They really, you know, they're at risk. So I, I have a plan, and, I, and, and I'm always talking about this, to open it to this, like, I don't know what you call it, a school organization, whatever, whatever it is. Basically, I want to do something about this situation. Problem is that I'm afraid to do it because I don't think I'll be... I don't think me, myself, and I could do a good job with these kids. question is, the fact that I have a passion to do it, and, and you know, it's like I really get involved when I hear the story, and I'm really, like, emotional about yourself. Does that mean that I should go ahead and do it? Let's because ask Rav Nissen, what do you see? I got my thoughts. What do you say to this? Rav Nissen has got his <laughs> fingers more than wet in this subject. Uh, first of all, the, uh, it's very nice that you have this uh, passion about it, but, you know... It's it's a lot. Of, it's it's much more involved with this. I wish we had, uh, you know, we ourselves here and in Jerut Radio and Jerut, all the time we're trying to to deal with these patients, and uh, it's not so simple because uh, I don't want to discourage you. I wish that uh, you know, the, but you have to face reality. This stuff is you have to, first of all to have to be practice and learning and study all the issue, and it's. And, it's 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 you can lose uh, families of about this issue, and I think I think that you you right now you're too young that you can be affected uh, to to deal with this issue without training and without uh, a proper uh, preparation. It's very well, I mean, nice. Uh, I do. I do understand that you know that, that that's not too easy at all and it's hard and everything. Of course it is, but should I like at least like try, like want to get soon? Like I think I might should I at least try to like. Like study these stuff and like go to classes and like get to know these stuff. Why not? Or why not? Because I I don't know why, but somebody tells me that like I don't know like I'm talking about tells me that when I speak to these guys, I don't know like blank out. I don't know. I have that fear. I don't know what it is, but on the other hand, I feel like I love like it's pulling me to do it. You know. Well, seem to recognize what's your fear. My I don't know. What, my fear is that uh, I don't know what the fear is. I don't know. Well, we need to identify the fear before we see the pros and cons. In my opinion, you, fe- you fear that because people telling you what to fear. I don't think that you fear yourself. I think that people telling you, oh, don't do it because you can, you can be like, become like them and you can all this stuff. But if you strong... No, no, no. no, no? I, don't, I don't think that's... No. I, don't, I wouldn't call it a fear. I'll probably call it more like nervous that like, I won't be so effective like... No, basically, I think I get it. I think that the, the problem is that I don't think I'll be able to um, to understand them and like fully. I could be able to class and maybe I'll help and like train myself into him. I like, go to training courses, but right now I think that you know that I wouldn't be able to connect to them. All right, let me make one more suggestion to you, and that is, if you really like helping people, the teens at risk, before you go to the grand scale of opening up organizations. I'm a big believer in using the organizations that are around there. Volunteer. Get your hands wet. Learn experience instead of theory. I find so much of life in theory is one level and reality is another. They are, if you're in a big place where there probably will be one or two organizations dealing with the teens at risk, volunteer. Get your hands wet. I do in- volunteer already. I do volunteer. I take out, I take out three kids. Three kids, like, uh, like, uh, like I take them out at night. I have much shadows. Excellent. Take kids out. So just keep that up. But- Keep that up. Before you open up, change stuff, keep it up. No, but, but, I, but I feel with these kids, I feel like some of them, I'm a, some of them, like the, the, the atmosphere, the, some of them, it works very well. 
Some I feel like, you know, like, you know, shyness, you know. So I'm not afraid that might happen in the future. Like, I might. That will happen. Not the- it might. It will. That is therapy. That is anytime you're interacting with another person or anything, we have no idea where the future will lead to. Any profession you're expecting to the, to be uh, disappointing or losing, uh, you know, a doctor, patient in a, in a table, you know, in the operation table, a contractor can lose, uh, uh, you know, the job or something, they break something that even even a good attention, but something broken in his in his way of building stuff. So everyone mm-hmm. is. So if you have to, have, you have to be expected that you are be, can be disappointed. You have to understand that Gaiva is not belong to this field, because you know he doesn't right, right. listen to me. Is what he's knowing, what he think himself. You have to understand that each person has his own characteristic and his own way. Try to approach him in his way, not your way. That's mm-hmm. why you you protect yourself from being disappointing. So the, the fact that I have passion, does that mean anything? Or it, everybody has that passion? No, it means something, but it doesn't necessarily mean that this is the place to go. It means this is an area. You might do it as a volunteer. Who said this will be your parnasa? No, I, no, I didn't mean over the days. I mean, like, this passion doesn't mean that, that I should go, even if I, should I even try to do anything about this, or just, like, everybody have a passion, just, like, so, like, I shouldn't be too excited we'll about it. Well, let the Rabbi Nishlelem guide you. We let the Rabbi guide you. Thank you for calling in. We got over here a message I'd like to clarify a little. With all due respect to what you said about the child who cries when Mora leaves the room, I've seen other factors to make the kids feel unsafe in the classroom environment. They could be clinging to one adult figure in the room. From my experience, it could be a kid with special needs, could be a children with sensory issues, or and may develop these attachment issues to the teacher who makes them feel safe. <clears throat> You're right, by the way, in each of these points. However, not however, but the teacher said the girl has it at home and in school. So it could be a sensory issue. But the minute the teacher says, I'm leaving, the kid feels safe, I still would like to stick to my first initial instinct is, are the parents giving the kid time? If that is happening, then the next step is we start we start doing evaluation of sensory issues. I You always go the simple ones. First is, is the kid getting the attention at the home? Is the kid getting what they need? There's a second kid, child born. What was their position? How's the mother feeling? What's happening? First, you do the basics. Once the basics are taken care of, then you start jumping to sensory. Then you start jumping to the next levels. Hiram Nissen, who do we have next? Uh, one second. I want to the same question sure. to answer about the care, careful. It's a Sheila of Moti Shemua on about? the family. Oh. Uh, I don't even is, see that. Okay, so this is something that uh, I want to... To say, many times people are calling and said, oh, I recognize the voice, I recognize this. We are not coming to Mutsishem or to make any decision about the family. We're just giving an awareness, again, awareness. Chas Khalila is not something that we are making decision, you know. Sometimes in the family itself, as somebody that a figure that is, you, don't, you, would, you wouldn't think that this girl, this girl is afraid of him, of her, you know, so think that... You know. And not only that, Moitzi Shemra is when the person calls up, we know who we're talking about here, is a teacher calling about a kid? Now, I mean, well, this is far-fetched. Boy, I wonder how you think it's Moitzi Shemra. If you can send another text, this is far-fetched. Okay, are we waiting Yosef? Yosef, you're on there with Mordecai. Yeah, hi. I had two comments about two different callers. First thing is that the the person who called uh, like five six calls ago uh, about the about the guy in his base 
who who is like who expects everybody to help him besides yes. himself. So there's, there's a, there's Crystal, a I, I remember you there's when you called up. Do you remember when you called up how proud we were? Yeah. How you didn't let any limitations with your developmental, you know, held back, and you're saying, no, I am going to succeed, right? Yes. I was so proud when you called, yes. What's your comment about that? So, there's a video called No Arms, No Legs, No Worries, that on, on, uh, on you can Google it. It's a, it's a Listen, always gives a disclaimer that whenever we mention the internet or something like that, we always try to to always mention that over here for those that have it or those that have the appropriate filters because we're not in any which way promoting that. But go ahead. Right. But in any crucial way that you have, yes. it's a very, very powerful five-minute clip. But he has like tons and tons of clips. So not just boy. Pretty appropriate, very appropriate, but it's a major, major Mr. Haskell. The kid is born without arms, without legs, and the kid has no worries. The kid's flying, having more fun than a kid with every, with every part of his body. He, he performs shows already. He, you, you search it, and there's like videos upon videos of him already. He performs in the Lakewood High School, the non-Jewish Lakewood High School already. Performs in tons of high schools and stuff. It's it's a muscle hospital that the guy take as a muscle hospital. I was sorry because I used to have that issue of uh, of uh, of uh, blame, uh, uh, blaming on everybody else and being the never kid and saying it's up to everybody else. I do my best until somebody showed me that and I realized it's my step. There's only my step. Wow, beautiful. What a beautiful, beautiful message. Thank you. And Blina, um, surprisingly, I usually have access and I usually get to know this, and this one I haven't seen, so we'll see after the Shmaya. I've already gotten feedback that it's an amazing thing, so that's what I am aiming on. We're going to aim for that. Yeah. Okay, the next thing is about the last caller. There's, 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 there's two sides. I hear his side and I hear your side very stark. But it is very negative that a younger person today with the massive is also depends on where he, where he's dealing and where he's talking about. But in places, in bigger places where we have towns today, we don't want to mention towns, but we have towns today that have a ton, a ton of kids. It could be scary for somebody to go out without the perfect practice, even. To start small, exactly. because starting small could sometimes pull your passion even longer. But if he's not fully practiced beforehand, it could very well be influenced. My father taught me a muster Oscar. I I had a master, and I told you last week when I called, and and right after I flipped, or after I came back to yeshiva, I really had the passion that I must go out and help all my other friends. That's right. My father told me, you pay attention to many, many, many people who go on cues before they, before they work on themselves strong enough. They get somehow influenced by the people around them. That's right. You, you get very influenced. And That's right. Yes, everybody, had, everybody today is suffering from this passion. Every normal human being is suffering from the passion of how, how not normal it is. In certain towns, how crazy from the most hush of families to, to 
to, to most small families you have. They have even these cases where parent, both parents are loving the kid and they support the kid. Or they don't support the kid. They give the kid tough love, good love, all these different everything. And you still have a non-normal amount. And nobody can figure it out. And this, I'm saying we can't just blame it on Avada. Something needs to be done with it. You can't just say this is part of... Part of the part of the Eurydice scenario and part of us being around the guy. But of course, you need to be fully practiced and fully aware and fully uh, ready. You should be learning a lot of muscle while you're getting close yes. to the kids. And it, it's it's a scary thing to go deal with because also sometimes you can get involved with the wrong kids and you also say the wrong thing to them. That's you don't right. even know what the flip side can be. The kid can look like a I appreciate everything that you've said. It is so amazing. In fact, someone has even just sent in a text exactly with what you're saying. The drive to deal with the teens at risk is great. You're dealing with them if you're dealing with them with them themselves. But a lot might have happened in their past that makes them at risk. You might have to deal with parents, etc. Maybe abusive and harsh person. Maybe it's draining. What you need to ask yourself is are you ready to be full force or even letting go? Yes. So what you're saying is Working with teens at risk is a financial schuss, is a fi not financial, it's a, it's a, what's the word I want to use? It's a great schuss, but you need to be ready. You need the hadracha, you need the help, the support. And Mertzeshem, with those that are in there. To do, that's right, with the Rebbe, with Siata Deshmaya. I agree with that. That was one of the big things I was going to tell him that I didn't mention. That was find your Rav that knows him well and get your guidance. Thank you. Haram Nissen, who else do we have? We have Basia on the air with Mordechai and Nissen. Hi. Oh, wow. All the lines are full, so we'll try to take them. Yes, go ahead. Hi. Um, so my question was, um, how do you cultivate an adult love relationship with a husband who um, recently became disabled? Okay. Um, what's your, let's rephrase your question. How can you connect to a person that you're very close to when the person's going through a very tough time? They might be depressed, they might be anxious, they might be angry. Is that your question? Well, it's not even so much that. I mean, if anything, I think he's dealing better with it than I am. Um, he, has, he has Yonamachla. Mm -hmm. And he, from his surgeries, he's, been, he's become disabled to yeah. sense. I mean, like, um, I just had a baby, so... Um, now I can't help him physically, and Baruch Hashem, we have an aid. Yeah. But, like, at one point I was bathing him, getting him in and out of the car, you know, yes. like, complete, almost like a child. Yes. And that's why I found, I find it harder now to have that adult relationship with him. Of course. And so now let's rephrase your question, or not rephrase, let me repeat your question. Your question is that you had an original marriage with your husband and then the Rabbi Shalom has given him a tragedy, uh, an illness, which due to surgeries has now affected him that he's not the same person that you were able, that well, the person that you married, he's, that you had to become his complete caregiver. Right. And now you're questioning, how can you have that adult relationship with him as a caregiver? Right. And one of the main points are to recognize that the person that we cared for and that's part of where he might need a little therapy or they might have therapists that are trained for that. And sort of like what the last caller had of this person, whatever video this is of this person of no hands, no feet. 
and that is that we all have unfortunately limitations but are we going to be labeled by our limitation right so that's an, that's another thing that like he's really been amazing about is that he really wants to be completely independent okay well then Even let's say he's got an aid safe for him support, to be independent support support let's not him let's not have him independent independence is not where we're in independence is in our minds can he be the supportive husband for you, telling you, I know it's so hard with a baby, but I can hold a baby, but I definitely can tell you, like I can speak to you, we can listen. I can be up with you when you're up with a baby, showing support. He can try to bring in maybe some parnasa through other businesses. He can be productive by being in the house. Let's start thinking about how he could be. We don't have to look at, is this person physically strong? He's got big muscles? Ah! Now, that's someone I respect. Could he shout? Is that someone I respect? Could he drive the fast car? Is that who I respect? No. It's the person. And how do we get him confident? How do we have him giving support? How do we have him doing certain things? How do, maybe we could even have him just organize the house, pay the bills. He might be not be able to write, but he can have the aide write it and he'll just sign it, but he'll be on top of it. Delegating is a very strong power, but we got to feel power within. Now let me ask you, can you think about your husband? What's something that your husband can do that you'll go, wow, he's a man, and not physically? That's a good question. I think well, I would have to think about that's that. That's where it's going to go. That's where it's going to be. Now we need to readjust the marriage. And unfortunately, when tragedy happens, we just it's just an adjustment form. Many times, that's what happens when, let's take the next level, when parents box when they marry off all their kids, and it's called emptiness syndrome. Right. Parents need to readjust. What is my purpose in life? It used to be in the children. I used to be busy all day about the children. Now what do I do? For so many years, my life was just being busy about the children. And unfortunately, sometimes those that take in the negative way need to now meddle in their children's lives because they can't be on their own. They can't adjust. Or they need to meddle in their grandchildren's lives. I've seen healthy parents. They go, now this time to volunteer for Bikr Chalams. They are now going to children once a week. They go to help out, but they're not they're not making their whole life. What do I do? They're not stuck. It's about adjustment. Life is about adjustment. I doubt the Rabbi Shalom should never send me that hard sign that he has sent you. But the Rabbi Shalom has given you that sign means there is a way for you to overcome and to adjust both you and your husband that you will still be the man of the house. You will still be the wife and it has nothing to do with his physical abilities. Mm -hmm. Let's give one classical example that I like mentioning that several times, and that is, does a millionaire have to, send, have to spend every penny to feel like a millionaire? No. No. Just knowing they have a million dollars in their bank account gives them the power, the feeling of a millionaire, correct? Right. So it's not your husband's physical strength. It's not by the fact that he's holding the baby that makes him the man. It's about the emotional strength of will that will do that. And that's one of the deep concepts when we have a melech, when we have a rav that we accept over us. One rav can inspire, one king can inspire all of Klai, so it's not by his physical strength. It's by the power of will. And when we learn in the Svarim, if you learn in Navi, a king, a melech, had a siyata deshmaya, had a certain aura that the Rabbi put into him, that there was an emo, there was a malchus. That's not physical strength. Right. So let's reframe, let's reframe now strength, which means it makes sense a man, a husband, and that strength. But sometimes we need to adjust that. It looks like the Rabbi Shalem is telling you now, time to adjust the concept of what a man's role is in your life and what the wife's role is 
and how he can be a man in his role now and how you can be the wife in your role. So what makes the wife in such a role? Well, that's again, now we're going to need more one-on-one -on -one, and there are usually therapists here. I would recommend a therapist that has experience dealing with trauma with things like that. Again, I would pull up, find out who are some high lifeline therapists. Uh -huh. Some people along those lines because there is adjustment that needs to happen. Now. Right. One thing I will tell you, I remember by... Um, I learned by Rav Pamzatzal the last three years of his life, and when he came into the yeshiva, he had cancer the last couple of years of his life. He had it once, then he got better, and then it came back. So when we learned in the smicha shir, we would go twice a week to his house, but there sometimes he was physically well enough to go to come to yeshiva and give us the shir. Do you think we looked at it as a weakness if we held open the door for the yeshiva to go walk through? And when we knew sometimes to lift, to open up those doors, which was like sometimes difficult, and he was frail, do you think we looked down at him? We looked at it as an honor that we can do that. We looked at it as an honor that he's Moiser Nefesh, he's giving a shear for him to walk down the steps because he slept on the second floor and go down the steps to give us a two and a half hour shear. It was a strength. We looked up to him. We were amazed. Rav Nassim Tzvi Finkel, the Rosh Hashiv of Mirzatzal, he had Parkinson's. Yeah. He was throwing himself from side to side. You had to see him give a, a sheer clawly. It was the, one of the most amazing sights in my life. Yeah. Three stenders, yeah. one in front, two on the side, and he would balance right. himself, bouncing from side to side. Is that a weakness? Do you think we look down at him, Chasr Shalom? We looked up, saying, this is Tyra. This is a Sarah like him. Now, that's the view that the Rabbi Islam has given you in the sign, and so much has fallen on you, so many of his roles have fallen on you, that it's almost like you feel you're the husband and the wife. And it might be yeah, time to... I mean, to... I do feel like I'm running a single-handed show. That's right. And you have to be now his parent. And the concept right. is, how can we start shifting that? How can you start becoming the wife again, and what is in his power, and to make him responsible, and to give him that power, and he would love it as well. Because I could yeah. speak from a man's point of view, one of my biggest fears, Pastor would be as if I can't be the man of the house. Not that I'm a controller, but like that's what we feel. That's our purpose. Right. Imagine, Pastor you wouldn't be able to be the wife, the wife role. Do you know how we would feel helpless? So if you're feeling this way, imagine how he's feeling. Not that I don't, not that I want to minimize your pain, right. but the concept is there is a way this can be discussed between you and your husband by a marriage counselor or by someone that has experience, you can even ask the doctors, is there a therapist that they have? Doctors many times deal with therapists that they have experience so we with. Have, we have been to a therapist, and one of the things that the therapist says was like, let him do his thing and let him fail and see if he can do it. Because like my fear was always that he wouldn't be able to do something on his own. That's right. That's definitely one of the steps. But part of the steps that I would even recommend is just delegate roles. And my question would be, what can your husband do that will give you the sense that he is man of the house and what can he do that will give him the sense? And it could even be just paying the bills. He's taking care of the bills. And if he has an aide, let the aide fill out the checks. If he can't do it, let the aide give him the mail, open it up and read it to him. But let the bills are your husband's roles. Give him tasks, give him jobs that he can do. He can place the order in the house. You can pull up groceries today. You'll purposely give him tasks that might have been yours, but he's able to do, and this is his role, his job. It's about adjustment. 
And what I'm saying sounds so much easier and people listening going, wow, that's so great. I know how difficult it is what I'm asking you to do. Let's not live in fairy tale. But you can overcome, you can stand up to the plate. And how do I know that? Because the Rabbi Shalom believes in you. And if he does, I second the motion. I say I'm a thousandth the motion. How am I to second his motion? But there is a way to overcome. Okay, thank you. I thank you, and I want to thank you for the bravery to call in with that question. I'm, I'm really honored and humbled. Thanks. You're Have welcome. Have a good night as well. Harvnison, what did you want to say? You know, this, I, I just, you know, man and woman, I said, I look at this as a partnership, you know. Sometimes the partner is, is a little bit off the, the way, so just have to push. And I think that when you look at this as a partnership, the, the partner needs you a little bit more, and this, this is how it's going. This is the family, you know. So I think that, you know, my art is very... Uh, with this lady, it's it's amazing. It's very pain. you see. Yes. You, you feel the pain. Yes, you, you feel, feel the, the pain. pain. You feel the pain. You feel the needs uh, of you know sympathy. I think that. Uh, but as as you say, Akadosh Baruch doesn't give any nisayon that she cannot. And probably every moment that she's in this house is is in another mitzvah, in another chesed, in another chesed of mitzvah of chesed, and to take care of all this, it's amazing. Amen. That's right. to your husband and to both of you. You are very strong, very clear, very confident. Don't lose sight of that. Remember who you are before, because that power is within you times ten now. Make sure to say, if you can set up a time also for enjoyment with your husband to laugh. Go somewhere. Do something. You know, if you, as you can take like a, a video clips of you know things that just refresh, you know, give like a, a yeah. you know things that we saw that no arm, no legs, unbelievable yes. reinforcing, uh, you know, things. Yes. Okay. Yes, there are stories you'll see people that are in worse situations, not classroom that we're judging, but they've overcome, they've overcome challenges, and that's just a chizuk to keep on going. And somehow, when we have that. It, we find strength and power within ourselves. One, to me, the greatest, I mean, my, I would say my inspiration, whenever I go to the caver in Eretz to me it's such a kayak, and that's Rebbe Kiva. At 40, became about Shuva, didn't know Aleph Beis. Became Gadol Adar, had 24,000 students. Do you know what that numbers that is? Can you imagine the size of like what Brooklyn must look like if you just had 24,000 students to one person? That's a husband. That's now a wife. That's now four or five kids. We're talking about 100,000 people around losing everything and starting again with five people and then to be Niftal Kiddush Hashem that his body was combed and finished with such a strong positive. I don't know people that went through such a difficult life as he did, but no one looks at it as difficult. We look at him as one of the great lights. He's overcome it all. He was from the greatest Asura Yaruge Malchus, from the highest level. I, there's just, I get inspiration from people that had challenges and they overcame it. He's one of my greatest inspirations. Again, I, I feel humble to say like he's my inspiration, but my similar I I keep that in mind so many times. Yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. We have Feige. Feige on the air with Mordechai and Nissen. Hi. First of all, thank you for the wine. Um, it's beautiful and very informative. Now to my question. Actually, it's not my question. Um, I have a close relative um, that lost a baby several years ago. Mm. Since then, she has, like, um, fears. Yes. For an example, um, 
when she has a newborn, then she's very nervous the whole night, and she can wake up several times to yes. check if the baby's breathing and whatever. Yes. And when she has to put out the baby from the room, then she runs the whole night and checks if the baby's still alive. You know, I'm, I'm about a year-old baby talking about. Yes, yes, yes. And when somebody falls down, she gets, like, nervous and scared. She has this, uh, she wants to know if it's normal or if it's, <laughs> if she needs some kind of therapy. That's what she doesn't want to hear, but <laughs> she thinks that that's a thing. So my simple question would ask her, mm-hmm. because part of therapy is not me saying, is to have the person create an awareness. Ask her to ask 10 mothers. How normal is it for them to check the baby at night if they're breathing and a year when the baby's even a year um, to look up and to follow up and okay, to be so she worried? knows it's not normal. So what is the answer now? Oh, but no, I don't think she, she wants knows. to hear the okay, answer. For, for this part, she knows it's not normal. But for the other part that... Um, well, what would she like to be the answer? When the child falls down, her, her heart is like pounding for the next So what would she like hours. to hear? What would she like to hear? Um, the truth. I, I don't think, think so. she wants to hear the truth. Um, listen, she doesn't want to ask the question, but I did. Okay, so if you'd so like to know the truth, this is called trauma. This is called trauma. And right. unfortunately, what happens to the brain when there's trauma means there's an incident with mm-hmm. a large emotion. And now whenever that incident gets brought up, since it's now attached to that emotion, that emotion will come up. So whenever the brain has a memory or any recollection that will bring up that story, or can even slightly allude to that story, trauma means that huge emotion, that feeling will come up, and it'll come like a tidal wave and take her over. At times more, at times less. And the way to heal that is to have to heal trauma. So you're now, now let's take your question. How do you heal trauma? How do you heal someone that had a broken leg? Okay. So you go answer- to the doctor, and you go to a therapist right. that specializes in trauma. Right. And okay. I would recommend EMDR, something along those lines, because they're specially meant for that. She mm-hmm. might need cognitive behavioral therapy, or as I heard once, which is an interesting story, that what mm-hmm. brings me really to think about your friend, the way she doesn't want to hear that she needs therapy. She Ma- doesn't, she does she's, you know. All right. <laughs> well, what happens is many times these people had other issues in the past, uh-huh. and they're able to bury it. And then uh-huh. this thing now brings that up, and when we got to start dealing with someone that comes in for just one issue... Really what we're dealing with are all those other issues, and then we need like a year or two years of therapy because of all that comes up. Uh-huh. So my concern is the way she's asking the question right. is that she has other stuff in her past. Okay. And other Possible. stuff, and Possible. she's really afraid to acknowledge and to deal with those stuff. Right, right. I, and okay. that is her fear, and that's why I understand her. However, okay. generally, with the way from my view, my little understanding of therapy is... The Rabbi Shalom just brings the Nisayan harder and bigger later. The older it gets, the harder it is to heal. And the longer therapy she will need when she starts. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, it gets, can even be to a level where therapy won't help anymore. And then she'll have to take medication. Right. So another thing. Does that, okay, is it, um, for example, uh, the same, does it run under the same um, category that when a baby falls down, let's say she had such a kind of a story recently, a baby fell off like a whole flight of steps and bleeding wow. and bleeding. Two, three hours after that, she could, She was like weak. She couldn't get up. She couldn't do anything. She, was, she said, my heart is weak. So I thought maybe this is quite normal because the baby fell down like um, cement steps and it's, she saw it and <laughs> it's more scary. 
Do you think it's like overdone to like two, three hours after that, that she's still weak? I am not here to generate. Let's let's be clear. I'm not here to generate business for myself (laughs) or therapy because I don't take new clients really. So let's understand this. I'm going to let you to decide that question. The first rule in therapy is the person has to come and I, I have a problem. I can see myself when a child falls off. I wouldn't be Great. three hours. I'd be Excellent. So she like doesn't need therapy. Week. Wonderful. We've established there's no need okay. for therapy. It's normal for her to, to have this fear because any mother that okay. would see a kid fall down is great. But two, three hours is more than normal. I'm not saying that. I want you to see. You see what I feel when people I ask me know. questions, they really know the answer. Okay, the thing is, it's not me. How many kids have for, you raised, you know, Kanai Nahara? But every person is different. How many like kids me, have you raised? Hour is enough to get strong. For her, maybe two, three hours is fine, but that's what I wanted to know. If it's okay, I guess I, I the find, first answer is uh, the answer. The right? answer is the person knows really what they need, and we try. We can analyze, right. we can rationalize, we can deny, we can block. Right. But the only way to ever help a person is, and it could be 50% normal, but 50% was her fear or anxiety or her past could be 70% normal and 30% of her fear and anxiety. But if there's even 30%, don't you think we need to work on that 30%? Because at times it might just be 80% anxiety and just 20% normal. Okay. If someone needs help, nope, you can't get her anywhere. You can only explain. No, I guess. Yes. Well, uh, I I don't have what to ask anymore because the first question that I asked is already... That's right the answer <laughs> and she's right. listening so she is going to listen so she is listening so she's gonna so if she's listening then let me no, tell she her. wanted me to ask her all right then let me it. then let me just clarify in a gentle way i don't no know problem. what your view of therapy is mm-hmm. sometimes people have a view that therapy they fight you they challenge you and it's really not the role therapy is meant to first step is to create the therapeutic alliance to build a connection for you to feel safe and to trust and if you need 10 sessions to open up I've had a client that came to me for about eight to ten sessions. We did great work. The person says, you know something, now I'm really able to tell you a real deep, dark secret that I've never told anyone. And the person tells you, eventually we'll build up to it. Great. We'll take the time as long as things are moving in the right direction. Don't be afraid of therapy. Or I should say, if you're going to a therapist and you've had a bad experience, don't think we're all like that. Every huge field where you've got, I mean, Harvness, what would you say? Would you say every person in construction is such a nice person? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, I would say that it's very tough to find a a real profession, uh, and it's it's a luck, you know. And I would say that you have to check and everything. So you go to a doctor, you go to a second opinion. Many times, you have to search and to find at the chemistry, especially therapists. You have to find a lot of chemistry that you have some uh, some kind of chemistry between the person that's standing in front of you and getting you. As help help you to get out what is on on your art on to help you out to continue on life. It's not it's not so simple, and sometimes you you go and find this therapy is not it's not the right one. The second one is not, but you have to find it. If you have a chas uh, some you know even to go to a dentist, many times people go to a second opinion and third opinion. What about? So this is the issue here. Right, very clear. Okay, thank you. Thank you so You're much. You're very welcome. And mm-hmm. I'm just thinking I would recommend the program on my phone line, number three, about anxiety, just okay. to hear about that. And okay. Yeah, and sometimes number six, which is caught in the trap of regret, that she mm-hmm. might have so much regret, so much doubt going on within herself. So number mm-hmm. three, about anxiety, fears. I, I explained that and about regret. Okay, great. Thank You're welcome. You. Yeah, thanks. Nechama, you're on the air with Mordechai and Nisim. 
thank you so much for taking my question. My pleasure and honor. Okay, so I'm calling um, for Billy, my daughter. She has a public speaking tomorrow, and she's very, very concerned and anxious about it. And I was just wondering, or she actually wanted to know, if there was anything you can tell her that will help her relax um, tonight and maybe tomorrow as it gets closer to her public speaking. How about we bring her on the phone now? This will be her first exposure to public speaking. We've got thousands of listeners. I wish she would, but that was part of the deal when I called. I said you'll probably want her on the line, and she said she's not going to come on, but she'll listen. All right. Is she right next to you? Yes. Okay. Ask her, what would it take her to have the confidence to come on the line? What would it take you to have the confidence to come on the line? What about if she could just listen on the air and she could just shake her head? We'll show you exposure therapy Yeah, gently. she's listening. Okay, so she's listening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Now ask her just to shake her head yes. Tell me if just, she's shaking it. Um, to which question? Just yes. I just want her to shake her head up and down like the yes away. Her head, yes. She's shaking it? Yes. Excellent. Now tell her that thousands of people listening or knowing that she's shaking her head. Is she afraid of that? You heard thousands of people are listening. Are you afraid of that? No. Okay. Now ask her if she's comfortable to whisper in your ear no. Just the word no. Just whisper it in your ear with the phone on the other side. Means where the phone won't pick it up. Yeah, she whispered no and she whispered what? Great. Now okay. ask her if she's comfortable to whisper now in the phone. While she doesn't have to hold it, you hold it, just whisper hello on the phone now. Can you whisper hello? No, I think we're not going to get the hello yet. Well, okay. Ask her if we could do anything to get her to get the hello. How about if she could cover her ears and just say hello? Can you, could you mouth it? No, I think we're not going to get it. Okay. Let's do one thing. Ask her if she can close her eyes and imagine that she's talking just to me on the phone, no one else. Would that help her? If we say the radio is shot now, there's no one on the internet listening to us, no jrotradio.com, just me and her. And you're listening also in the phone. So there's a three-way. Would she be able to speak to me then? Maybe. Okay. So tell her to imagine that, to come on the phone. It's just me, you... And her. That's the only way I could be speaking. If I would actually think about speaking to so many people, I'd be scared. But I just sit over here in this little room. It's just me and this in the room. And a mic and a little speaker. Okay, do you think you can imagine that? Because that's reality. It's really just me and you. She nodded. She can do that. Great. So let's, let's ask her to come on the phone and just to tell me hi with you. It's just us three. And this and four. I think I heard her say hi. Did she say hi? That was me telling her to just say oh, hi. Oh, okay. Ask her just to say hello. Okay. Yeah, I, we hear laughing in the background. She, we're, getting, yeah. we're getting better. Good, good. Now ask if she could just say hello. <laughs> we're there. We hear your voice now. So you're almost there. Now all you have to do is just say the word hello. That's all. It's that simple. Just whisper it. That's it. Can you do that? Almost. Oh, good. 
So anyhow, this would be the practice that you would be having her do. So if she has to speak publicly, you're going to want her to practice the speech loud, clear, and over and over about six times. Probably at the third time, it will sound great. Then you're going to ask her to repeat the speech to in front of your husband, you, and maybe you'll even set up the chair so she could just see what it's like. And then if she's ever going to speak in front of the class or an auditorium, you want her to say the speech once or twice in front of the auditorium when it's empty. This is all exposure. These are all the olive bays, the beginning systems and how to speak publicly. And to know it's going to be normal to be afraid. It's normal for her to freeze. It's normal for the first minute for her voice to crack. That's why I wanted to practice now on the phone. You want her to practice with her voice cracking, but after a minute, it's going to be fluent. These are all extremely normal. There's no way to go through it without going through it. So till you don't speak the 10th time, when the Gemara says, It's chazering it. The 101th time is more than the 100th time. He's in order to get to the 101, you got to still do it 100 times. Okay, I think she's ready to say the hello. Great. Let's have her say hello, Mordechai. Let's go. Hello. Excellent. Great. Now, hold on. Since we got you on the line, can you now ask me that question, how can I speak publicly? Just say it. You'll see how much easier, how confident it is. It's simple. Try it. Just say, can you help me speak publicly? You can do it. You can do it. You want to give it a shot? Oh, you know what? Let's go again. Say again, hello, a second time. You can do it. Say hello one more time. All right. I'll tell you, we got to go. We got so many people calling in. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. And with Siata Deshmaya, you will be greatly successful. Just practice it. You got to practice. The only way to do it imagining it, visualizing it will help, but there's nothing that's close to actually verbalizing it and doing it. Thank Can you. Can you one more time? Yes, go ahead. Can you help me speak publicly? Woo! Excellent. You got the answer. I just did. You just did it. Ernest, what do you want to say? It's a, You know what? It's a, it's a, uh, what do you think? I, I know what uh, to speak publicly. I, I never, you know. So, But you have practice, practice, and practice in the head, and practice out loud. Stand in front of the mirror, practice, see, and close your eyes, open your eyes, see, and this is the, this is the trick. And talk slowly and try to, to be concentrated on your words. Let's do this again. Can you ask it again now? Thank you. Can you do it again? Can, just say the same words again. Can you help me speak publicly? Can you help me speak publicly? Excellent. Say it again. Can you help me speak publicly? Excellent. And one more time. Can you help me speak publicly? Great. Now let me ask you, the first time you said hello, weren't you petrified? Yeah. And now when you said it the fourth time, can you help me speak publicly? Did you feel easier? Yeah. Yeah. Now watch, if you're going to say it again, now um, what do you have to talk about? What's your speech about? A demonstration. Good. A demonstration on what? How to make a bunny out of origami. Oh, wow. That's actually interesting. If you figure that out, I'd love to see how to do that. I think it'll be cool if I can do that with my kids. Now, 
Do you remember how just about three minutes ago you were afraid to even like whisper anything and now you're able to talk and have sentences on air? Isn't that amazing how simple it is to break the fear? We just got to start a little and then it gets easier and easier. Do you see that? Yeah. Now, how many people do you have to speak in front of? 25 around. Okay. Now, if I tell you you just spoke to about 15,000 people, how easy do you think it is to speak now in front of 20-something people? Easier. Much easier, right? So imagine you just did the hardest part of all, and you just did it so smooth. You see how easy it is, and you're talking to me back and forth, you're answering? Yeah. So right now, pat yourself on the back. Congratulations. <laughs> and I, I see the smile. That's right. And enjoy it. So please, have you, not your mother, but have you call me up next week and tell me how it went. All right? Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We really appreciate Wait, it. Wait, and do you see what we did? We coached your daughter, just coached it, believed in her, did little steps at a time, and look at where we got to. Right, okay. I really appreciate it because I couldn't get this far. I would also want to encourage you that, you know, one of the things that worked is the ability that you had to call in and to be confident and to push her and to do that. You did amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. We go to Rifki. Rifki, you're on the air with Mordecai. Hi, I was just wondering if you can clarify when somebody would need a life coach and when somebody would need a therapist. Well, the legal terminology is very simple. If someone has a disorder, therapist must be used, and life coaches are not allowed to use it. And life coaches are meant for coaching and chizuk and things like that. Simple. If it's OCD, depression, anxiety, major issues, legally you must be a licensed therapist they're not allowed to diagnose life coaches they're not allowed to treat any disorders they're allowed to be machazic they're allowed to talk about it but somehow therapists have taken ownership over those areas and for good reasons as well i've been involved where life coaches don't have experience don't have any knowledge don't have supervision and their thoughts and their opinions unfortunately have ruined much of them at the same time i've seen cases where eventually why are they taking so much money therapists when they just need a coach now and there are times, like, I've got one client now where we're terminating, going through the process of finishing, and all they need is a coach, chizik, and that's not my role. I'm not here to do it, chizik, you know, and all that stuff. It's just different roles. I work with disorders. Unfortunately, I, I like not viewing it that way. I like helping people grow, but that's how it goes. Just like I don't deal with medication, I'm not allowed to prescribe. Even when I make a recommendation or something, it's, I speak to the doctor, the doctor's got to do it. So there's a place for life coaches, there are a place for therapists. The place for life coach, I don't believe therapy should be doing. There's a place for therapy, I don't believe life, not I believe, life coaches are not allowed to do it. That's just my humble opinion. All right? Okay, got it. Thanks. You're very welcome. Next. Um, we have um, Rifki. Rifki again, another oh, Rifki. No, okay. Oh, so it's uh, something she disconnected. So right now we go to Yossi. Yossi, you're on with Mordechai and Nisim. Huh? Yes, Yossi, I'll just ask if you could close the, whatever it is in the background, the phone or whatever it is, we heard the echo. Yeah, um, I just want to know, I'm, uh, I do well in class, but I just, my English a little bit, sometimes I don't do so good, and I get anxiety from tests. Yes. Is there anything to do with it? Most yeah, certainly. Mind or... Sure. Well, first, let's ask you, what about in Hebrew, in Yiddish? What I, do you... 
I do drugs. That's no problem. And you're not afraid of tests then? No, I am. I don't know. I just pretty much English. Now, uh, what I want to help you do is I want to help you identify what's the difference between Hebrew or Limude Kaidish and English. What is the difference? Why are you nervous in one and not in the other? I'm, okay, well, I'm nervous in both. I don't know. Well, it depends. If you're nervous in both, that's one thing. If you're nervous more in English than in Limude Kaidish, that's another. If you're if you're nervous about... let's Let's put more into terms. If you're worried about making a mistake and failing... And in Lumude Kodesh, you know it more, so you're a bit more confident, but the fear is still about failing. And Lumude Echoil, which in English, you know it less, so therefore you're afraid of failing. Now we'll work on failure. What can relax you? It's okay to fail. If the issue is that the teacher might get angry, and there's nothing to do, and in Lumude Kodesh, you have a Rebbe that you're calm about, then the issue is your teacher failing. So when someone is afraid of tests, we don't, I don't just listen to the word, I'm afraid of tests. What we do is we need to identify what is happening. What's the fear for? So that's why that's what we do in therapy. So if you could help me identify what's your fear of tests. I'm not afraid of really because I'm afraid of I always get good marks. So what is your fear? If you always get good marks, then what are you afraid of? So maybe it's English. What? So it's by English. It's by English. I we got that. But what are you afraid of? No, by English, I don't do as well. You're not coming out that clear. By English, you don't do as well? Okay, I'm not sure what I'm afraid of. That's what we need to do. So close your eyes a second. See the test. You take the test of what are you afraid of? I don't know at all, man. All right, my friend. So when you'll know, that's when we can help you. Like, that's what we do. We try to help you go more into it. Are you afraid of failing? Are you afraid that you won't do well? Are you afraid someone will get upset at you? Is it that you didn't study well the enough? First two. What? The first two. I'm afraid of failing. And? and? I'm not going to do well. You're not going to do well. Do you find that you value yourself based on your mark? That if you get a good mark, oh, I'm smart and I feel good about myself. If you get a bad mark, then you feel like a failure? Usually. Yeah. How can we do it to teach you? How can you understand the concept that marks are just meant to see one part how well you do, but it does not meant to define you? Which means, is a fish great in the water? Is a fish a mighty, a strong animal, a strong fish? Is a shark, I'm sorry, is a shark a strong fish? Yeah. Yeah. But what happens if you put the shark in the desert? It's dead. Um. Right? We all got to yeah. find our strengths. What we want to learn is that our marks is not who we are. It's only one little area. It's about how we memorize, how much we studied, how well we understood the concept. But it doesn't say who we are. And that's yeah. one of the ways that we work on to take off of the failure, to know you're still loved. You're still accepted. You're still great. You might need to learn how to take a test, but who you are is fantastic. Well, how do I get out of my brain? Though? Say that again. Alright, so what I would ask is if you can call up next week because we've got about 30 seconds left and I would like to help you. We probably need about another 3 to 5 minutes. Alright? So for everyone, my pleasure. So for everyone listening in, Bezos Hashem, looking forward to being with you next week. Harav Nissen, thank you for having this program and I appreciate everyone's calling in and the bravery. By next week, but if not, We'll be back together. I mean, and apologize to people that waiting online. We couldn't take them, all of them. Yes, I'm sorry. We apologize. Hatzlacha and Merz Hashem next week.